noticing I'm fidgeting with my volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to keep the fidgeting down to a minimum. That's one nice thing about Zoom interviews, though, is like, I feel like I'm actually making eye contact, even though I'm not. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm less all over the place and less fidgety and what's the word I'm looking for? I'm squirrely. I think squirrely mm, is the word I'm looking for. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Less squirrely. I know like I'm a big like leg bouncer uh, whenever whenever I like to fidget. Yeah. And I can do that in a Zoom interview without anyone knowing. I mean, yeah. if my if my camera starts shaking, I just know I got to tone it down a little bit. But mm-hmm. if it's uh, if it's before that point, we're all good. Yeah, Zoom interviews are great for introverted extroverts like me because I don't actually have to make eye contact with a person. I can look at <laughs> my camera, but by looking at my yeah. camera, I'm making eye- perfect eye contact. Absolutely. Fooled <laughs> you. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think I was going to say something else, but I guess, <laughs> should we just get going? Might as well. You can think of it later. We'll yeah. get into it. <laughs> All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Bookstore, Season 9, Episode 17. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Burning? We really only wanted to dig into two guys who showed up and just kind of featured extra roles in this episode that have gone on to much bigger and better things than just a little one-off guest star spot. And Brian Posehn was the first one we saw. He plays an unnamed uh, medical actor along with Kramer and Mickey who gets sponge left inside or surgeon left a sponge inside me uh, (laughs) that Kramer does not want to do. The nearest date I could find that he actually started in stand-up was 94. Brian Posehn? Yeah. Huh. And so this would have been four years after that. I I guess that all tracks. And then he got his first Comedy Central special in 2002. Damn, that, that seems like it, it took a long time for him to get a special. But then again, I, I mean, I think we've kind of been spoiled by the streaming age of just everyone gets a special because there's an endless amount of platforms for them to be on. Yeah, I mean, Comedy Central was the only game in town, you know, and, and before that it was like HBO, but you, you really had to be somebody on HBO unless you got onto the, um, what did they call it? They had like a new comic showcase. I forget what that was called. But like you, you go back and watch and look at those. It was like everyone who was on that went on to something really huge. But yeah, because he, then he got his first Comedy Central special in 02. And then Comedians of Comedy was like 2005 with like him, Dave Attell. Was Patton Oswalt part of that? I think he was. Yeah. Patton Oswalt was part of that. And then Greg Giraldo, I want to say. Oh, Do you remember man. that special? I don't. Oh, actually. It, I think they did a whole like docu-series on Comedy Central. And it's obviously unbelievably hilarious. Uh, if it's if it is anywhere streaming definitely check it out comedians of comedy uh, and i love the title too because that was right around the original kings of comedy and everyone was like <laughs> what why are these guys calling themselves the kings of comedy it was just such an audacious thing to call themselves that i loved comedians of comedy <laughs> by 1998 he had already appeared in a 1995 episode of empty nest as painted gut guy so this was not his first <laughs> This was not his first television rodeo, as it was, as it were. And let me see. Oh, he was on 28 episodes of Mr. Show from 95 to 98. So that would be Oh, well, okay. Seinfeld. Yeah. I remember him being in with that gang. Oh, because he was in that metal group. Um, have, are you familiar with Mr. Show? A little bit. Yeah. Very little. Do you remember the heavy metal group that, like, the fan tried to kill himself? David Cross plays this fan that tries to kill himself. No. Because of, oh, because of what he heard in their lyrics, and they show up and... I'm not going to spoil the punchline, but you should look that up. But Brian Posehn is part of that uh, metal group, <laughs> but it's absolutely hilarious. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like literally text you that video 
after okay. this so you don't forget <laughs> to watch it because it's one of the funniest things that anybody in that whole group has ever done. He was on a 1996 episode of Friends where he delivered uh, the manuscript in which Joey Tribbiani's soap opera character is killed. He oh appeared <laughs> as two different characters in News Radio, a fan with questions for the owner Jimmy James at a book reading in 97 and a member of Dave's acapella group Chock Full of Notes in 1998 <laughs> and then he was on this episode in uh, of Seinfeld. Oh, he was also on Everybody Loves Raymond in 97. He was on Jenny McCarthy's short-lived sitcom Jenny and he was also on Veronica's Closet with Kathy Griffin for a while. And of course, he had a really long role on Just Shoot Me, but that wasn't until 99. So gotcha. he had, so that, he had like that was a regular, after this. Yeah, regular role, Just Shoot Me, and then Mission Hill. Have you ever seen that? No, I've it never was, heard of it. It was one of those like Adult Swim 1.0 shows. It was like one of the first shows that Adult <laughs> Swim had. But it was it was it was awesome. It was about like a guy who lives in the city with his brother, something like that. I don't know. He's got a little brother. It was like a little brother and big brother in the city kind of thing. And and Brian Posehn played the the roommate. It, maybe it's worse than I remember it, but I remember liking it at the time. But it it only got like 15 episodes or something like that. So that's where Brian Posehn was, you know, well into his career, but certainly had not popped yet into the, the mainstream. So what about Daniel Day Kim, who plays the doctor in one of those medical acting scenes? After he graduated from college, he made a name for himself playing numerous roles in a wide variety of television programs. He kind of started in theater. And then in New York, he was actually in a ton of stuff. Seinfeld was probably his biggest role to date, but he'd already been on two episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, probably as a reenactor, I'm guessing. Uh, mm -hmm. A 94 episode of Law & Order, which I think every New York actor has been <laughs> on an episode of Law & Order. It's like they constantly need dead bodies and co-workers and stuff to, to just... Or like, or guys to be asked on the street, like, no, I didn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. No, he hasn't been here since Tuesday. Now, come on, I got to load these fish on this truck or whatever's going on. Now, you going to buy some Gabagool or not? <laughs> Uh, he was on a 94 episode of All American Girl, which was Margaret Cho's sitcom. Uh, he was on All My Children, Pacific Palisades, so some soap opera work. Nightman, I don't know what that... Oh, he was on the pilot of Nightman in 97. It, my guess is it was not picked up. Uh, he was on Beverly Hills 90210. He had a recurring role there. He was Dr. Sterla uh, in a couple of episodes. And he was on NYPD Blue. And I think it's about that time that he made the move to L.A. And that was his first big gig on TV after his move. He told he he mentioned this on Letterman in a kind of a boring interview on YouTube that I found from like 2010 uh, <laughs> that he did. Um, I don't even know if I'll tweet it out, but yeah, he had ar even already been in some movies by this time. He was in American Shaolin in '92. In '97, he was in three movies: Addicted to Love. I think that's like a rom com with like Matthew Broderick or something. The Jackal and Space Retro. And I've heard of the Jackal. That was a remake of Day of the Jackal with Bruce Willis, I think. But uh, yeah. And of course, 04 would probably be his breakout year when he was on Lost. Jeez, so okay. That's a little dive on Daniel Day Kim. So I did do some extra credit because I came across that part. We were talking about the part where Mickey has 12 aspirin and Jerry asked him if he OD'd and Kramer goes, no, it's just too much. So I wanted to know what a toxic dose of aspirin would be. <laughs> a toxic dose of aspirin is 200 to 300 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. An ingestion of 500 milligram per kilogram is potentially lethal. And aspirin usually comes in a couple different doses. Doses Baby aspirin's like 81 milligrams, or so they call it. Uh, this website said aspirin should not be given to babies, but they call it the 81 milligram <laughs> pill baby aspirin. 325, and then extra strength is normally 500 milligrams. And you said it's 500 milligrams per kilogram of weight? Yes. Okay. 
So for me, I, I highballed myself. I said I was 190. I don't know if I'm there yet, but you know, I've been unemployed for a while and I don't work out. <laughs> so 190. So that's about 86, uh, a little over 86 kilograms. So by my math, which by the way, I am not good at, I found that 43,181 milligrams of aspirin would kill me, which is 86 extra strength aspirin pills. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. I guess the easy way to do this is divide your weight by 2.2, and you can kind of find out how many 500 milligram pills would kill you. Well, hang on. Let me check your yeah. math, because okay. you thought you thought that like four... What was the thing that you thought a couple of weeks ago, that like four ten, times 2,000 was 40,000? What was it? 10... <laughs> Twenty dollar or or a hundred twenty. I don't know. Yeah, it was something crazy. It was something like that. Okay. What what, what do you say? Take your weight. Yeah. Divide it by two point two. Two point two. Yeah. Okay. And what that would be? What what, what figure does that get you? Uh, I got eighty six point thirty six. Okay. I, I got eighty four. Like eighty four point oh nine for your weight. Yeah, for my Yeah, way. yeah, okay, yeah. So essentially 84 extra strength aspirin pills, 84 500 milligram pills would kill you. Oh, okay, okay, I, I gotcha. think that's correct. Uh, but again, I, I might be doing my math wrong. So, and I looked it up. Danny Woodburn is 311 or four feet. It, it varies depending on what website you're looking at, which I found interesting because there's a whole episode about him being taller or shorter than he actually is. <laughs> so I found it weird that even the actor. So I'm going to guess, I just guessed like 100 pounds on... For, he's you know he's kind of stocky i don't know uh, what i found there, was... there's no celebrityweight.com that has danny woodburn's weight <laughs> uh, yes i'm sure there is celebrityweight.com but danny <laughs> woodburn's weight is not on any of them Aww. that i could find i know okay but so if you're a hundred pounds i would guess about 45 extra strength aspirin would kill you uh, much much more than 12 oh even 27 extra strength pills would be a mild od for danny woodburn so he was still less than half of where even a mild OD would kick in because that's about 300 milligrams per kilogram. So, okay. yeah. Okay. 12 is pretty far <laughs> off, but it sounded like a whole lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they do say if you don't have a pre-existing health condition, don't take more than 4,000 milligrams total per day. I don't know how many that would be. De that's definitely more than 12, but it's certainly not lethal, but it's just not healthy. We're not doctors, so just don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, don't take your medical <laughs> advice from us. If you're doing that... Why? Reevaluate yeah. your life. I was just curious how much aspirin would kill me. It's 86. 86 <laughs> pills. Believe it or not. So I found this weird when I look for trivia. It's one of the places I go. The Burning has no Wikipedia page. I think it's really? the only Seinfeld episode so far that has no Wikipedia page of its very own. The Burning Seinfeld episode redirects to Seinfeld uh, season nine. That's just so weird. The overall season page. Yeah. I found that really weird. And I clicked different links trying to get to the burning page for forever and for is, finally is there up. is there a wikipedia page for the burning the movie yes yes there is i wonder if like there was an issue in trying to make separate pages for those that's the thing i think the burning had like seinfeld in parentheses even and like and when i went to season nine it would say it said like redirected from the burning seinfeld yeah. episode or something like that yeah or season nine episode uh 16 whatever it was yeah, it's just, I could not find it anywhere. But don't worry, I did find some trivia. The song Elaine is listening to on the radio in the episode at the beginning is a Jonathan Wolf original, and it is on Seinfeld's official soundtrack, which was released 23 <laughs> years after this episode first aired in 2021, as we all know. And it is called Jesus is One, and Jonathan Wolf, of course, <laughs> did the music, but a guy named Jack Diamond did the singing on it. 
Jesus oh is one. God. Jesus and Hell Jack yes. <laughs> and Jack Diamond has his own releases on Spotify, and they are some of the weirdest found media that I have ever stumbled <laughs> across. Like it, it sounds, it's just a guy and his guitar, and like the the music and lyrics are just all over the place. Like I really, I can't even describe it. It's like beyond words. It's like almost on the level of you know Wesley Willis or. Who's that other guy? Not Daniel Johnston. Maybe it is Daniel Johnston. But you know, these like kind of um savant guys that like some indie rock label found and they they put out this weird, you know, this weird stream of consciousness record with yeah. I mean it's yeah. that it's really that kind of thing. Um and I swear when every song starts, I hear like a tape recorder being like he's recording, like you the record <laughs> button is pushed down at the beginning of every song. I'm like this is so weird. It's really, it's really weird. I haven't de- delved too much into it, but just the, the few little songs that I that I clicked around on for Jack Diamond, I was like, this am is... I am I on the right Jack Diamond? Why? What do you? Oh, oh, you know, okay. There's a rapper called Jack Diamond too, and oh, just like, okay. and just well, like Spotify, Spotify does... has it has it cor- like incorrectly linked then because it has this Jack Diamond, the rapper appears on Seinfeld original television yes. soundtrack. Correct. Yeah, and and even that Jack Diamond has. So when you're on the 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 Jack Diamond that we're talking about, you see that like, oh, Jack Diamond had an album in 2010. And then, oh, he came out with a song called Toxic in 2021 with Juice Youngin. Well, that doesn't sound right. It looks like only his album, Road Songs by Jack Diamond, is that's what you should be looking out for because everything else is Jack Diamond, the rapper. What would happen if you click Jack Diamond Radio in Spotify? What, I don't know what, what would get? come up. It's just going to mix between Road Songs by Jack Diamond and Jack Diamond, the rapper. Yeah, that really is what... So it starts off with F. Naw by Jack Diamond, the rapper, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then goes to Hillbilly Boogie by the Delmore Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> jingle Jangle Jingle by Tex Ritter. Nice. Uh, and... I don't see any other rappers on there, though. Keep skipping. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking around. Well, they do put, they just put a lot of Jack Diamond, the rapper, on there, and then a lot of like classic country and Americana <laughs> music. I'm gonna have to ask. Uh, I'm gonna have to ask our production director because she is uh, the programmer of a Texas country station. Yeah. Uh, have I told you what Texas country is? No. Think like know. a classic country, but yeah. it's like it's modern. But they're like, no, it ain't any of that pop shit. Is it the same as Outlaw Country? What is Outlaw Country? It kind of sounds like what you're describing. Okay. <laughs> then it, it might be, but I think it's like hyper-focused on Texas artists. Mm, I see. I thought I always thought that would work in Mississippi as like a Bob format in Mississippi because so many people, when you get down to it, are from Mississippi that you can play everything from B.B. King to Paramore and you'd be covered you know and i thought that uh, would always be a cool <laughs> but i don't know it it mainly would be for like stunting or something probably i don't think it had would have any staying yeah. power but instead um, of bob it's uh it's a, a woman named miss <laughs> or the sip you're listening to the sip <laughs> sweet you know Dr- tie it in with sweet tea and all that like drink up here's another sixer of <laughs> yeah. of uh, i don't fucking know the I, imaging I range my itself <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> God. Yeah. So enjoy your Jack Diamond deep dive this week. <laughs> uh, the speaking of the Christian radio stations, the preacher's voice is uh, on the on the second preset radio station that Elaine listens to in Putty's car is none other than John O'Hurley, who also plays Jay Peterman hey. in the show. <laughs> yeah, he does have a good preacher's voice, and that's pretty much it. All right. <laughs> yeah, I hesitate to say, do we have any news this week? Because I know there's um quite a few things. 
Yes, I mean, I'll mention just the the one that broke the day we're recording this and the day we released our episode called... Last week. Yeah, last week for the burning. (laughs) Yeah, that's the burning. Bob Dole passed away on... December 5th, the same day we released the episode, The Burning, where George references him asking Jerry if his girlfriend walks around holding a pen that she never seems to need. Now, he was 98, so we cannot, we won't take credit for this one. You know, we mentioned him, and that usually means someone's going to die, but this time... It it hasn't, the prophecy hasn't been fulfilled in a while. It's true. I will say that. I thought we had broken our curse. I I was kind of afraid with how many people we were talking about in our Halloween month, but then again, that's just the Patreon. It might not have the same effect. That's true. God may not subscribe to our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Or the devil. Yeah, they only listen to main feed. <laughs> Cheap bastards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's the one bit of news that I uh, saw. What what else? Uh, the thing that broke this week about Kathy Griffin. What is, what happened with Kathy Griffin? Uh, well, she She's was dead. on. <laughs> no, d- d- don't fucking jinx it, Tim. Especially not with what I'm about to say. Okay. Uh, she was on the View, and she said like in the backlash of all the Trump stuff from her uh, fake beheading photo, she contemplated killing herself. Oh, wow. Uh, By taking a bunch of pills, weirdly enough. Weird how that ties into what we were talking about earlier. Jeez. Wow. No, I didn't see that. Rough. I, I don't I don't know really any more details about it, but yeah, it was something that I that I read. I'm like, oh shit. Jeez. I don't know it I didn't know it got that bad for her. Wow. Looking All right, ready to start our funny podcast? <laughs> yeah. God I was just looking damn to it. see. No, I mean, I'm so good at bringing the mood down. I will mention, um, to, just to bring it back up, that our Spotify wrapped, uh, we we were a part of a lot of people's Spotify wrapped. So that yeah, was cool. Yeah, that was so cool. That was, yeah. that was so cool to see. <laughs> yeah, I never would have considered. I, I love, yeah, I, I love seeing that shit. Like, everyone's yeah. like, no one cares what's in your Spotify wrapped. But like, if, uh, I, I. God, I, I'm trying to sound not like a dick when when I say this. I'm like, as the artist, we, we love seeing that. We love seeing that shit, you know? Yeah. Ta- tag us in, in anything you want. If you're ever listening to us, if you're listening to us on a road trip, if you're introducing somebody and they, they like the show and you... Uh, like text them about it. Tag us in it on Twitter. Seriously, I I, I love seeing that shit. Yeah, yeah. It was it's it's so awesome <laughs> to just know that people are out there and it's not just me and Ted talking to each other. That's always that, that's what it feels like a <laughs> yeah, lot yeah. of the time. That's that that's really just hosting hosting a show. You know, it it feels like us talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And if if people like that, if people listen to that, that's that's so fucking cool. Yeah. Thanks for joining the conversation, as it were as much as is possible, just listening to a podcast. But um, yeah, and I, I love this time of year because radio people always get triggered. Like, way to go advertising for the thing that's going to replace you. It's like, well, oh. uh, maybe they, you know, if you're doing something that people would rather just listen to straight music than yeah, you, maybe, then... Yeah. Maybe if you <laughs> spent some time changing your show up to yeah. something people would actually want to hear instead of regurgitating everything you read off of a prep service. Yeah, if you think that you're... Your radio station is just a music delivery service. Then, by all means, yeah, rail, rail again. Then you deserve to be replaced <laughs> yeah. by Ryan Seacrest, by a, or by just a music delivery service, and that's it. Yeah, because at least yeah. Ryan Seacrest is a brand delivery service as well. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, my yeah. God. Like, if you're complaining, like, "Oh, good job advertising for the thing that's going to replace you," you're also the person, like, you won't believe what the most popular <laughs> snack in your state is. I don't give a shit. Right. No one gives a shit. 
Best Thanksgiving pie. Call uh, now. <laughs> what is the most underrated Thanksgiving food? <laughs> One's got to go. One's got to go. <laughs> well, that, yeah. We just kind of morphed into like radio station social media. Yeah, these. yeah. I know. Oh, my God. It causes such huge fights. But I never mind, even when I was in radio, I never minded sharing mine. Because once again, this year, mine was all... My number one artist was Hampton the Hamster. Like, that wasn't <laughs> fake when I tweeted it out. Like, that was our, our I, number one song was the... Well, no, our number one song, I'm sorry, was from Madagascar <laughs> to Will I Am's version of I Like to Move It. Yeah. I, I shared that with two of my coworkers. Both of them are women. Both have, <laughs> like, infant daughters. And yeah. neither of them knew what Hampton the Hamster was. But uh, we looked it up, and uh, one of them was like, is this... Is this just the fucking hamster dance? Like, yes. From like 10 years ago? Yeah. And we're like, and oh tried like 20. God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, and one of them was just like, that sounds like absolute hell. <laughs> yeah. And I was the idiot that introduced it to my son, <laughs> who then, because it was, I think there's even a funny little music video, but he loves sped up. You know, he loves oh. the chipmunks and he loves Chip and Dale and he loves sped up voices. And so I was like, oh man, I remember a song with a sped you should, up uh, voice. You should play him uh, Crazy Frog. I did. I did play him Crazy did you, Frog. Did, that did, one didn't did take... he like Crazy Frog? He, oh, he no. He did, yeah. He did like it, but it didn't take like Hamster Dance did. Okay. Yeah. No, he was much more enthralled with, with the Hamster Dance. And then, so Hampton the Hamster <laughs> has an entire album of Hamster songs. So Hamster Party was like our fifth most popular song, I think. Or most listened to, but our top two were I like to move it. The one from Madagascar two, and then <laughs> Afro Circus from Madagascar three. See, the Afro Grace, Circus remix. <laughs> Gra <laughs> Grace and I share a Spotify, and our top ten were all songs that she listens to like every day, getting ready. <laughs> yeah, three of them are from the Stranger Things score. Uh, three of them are One Hundred Gex. The top song is Laura Less, who is the woman in 100 Gex. Uh. <laughs> the only song I had in the top 10 was from uh, like newer uh, pop punk band called Belmont. Yeah. Like, I, I had one song in our top 10. I don't think I had any in our, if this is an order, yeah, our, I had one, It's well, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ooh, number 11. And here's oh. the weird thing. Number 11 is a song called 1111 uh, by Andrew Bird from from like a, an album a million years ago. Like I put together this um, playlist to listen to in the morning <laughs> and before it was very populated, like the same songs would play over and over again. That was one of them. That was one of the first songs I put on the playlist. So that that's why it's on there. So that's the first entry that I have. But nothing <laughs> new that I listened to. Like a lot of that, um, I call it, it's called morning indie. A lot of that morning indie is on there, but nothing new that I listened to. Like I listened to a lot of new music this year, but not enough, obviously. And last year it was the same thing. It was all Disney all the way down. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to really buckle down. I'm going to listen to new music. I'm going to listen to stuff and I'm going to have stuff in the Spotify rap this year, but nope. Okay. I think that's all of our news, right? <laughs> uh, I think so. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, okay. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 30 minutes being exclusively research and bullshit. 
Uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in a chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description. Also down in the description, you will find a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash no hugging. You can get all of our content for just five bucks a month, which includes bonus content that we uh, clip out of every main feed episode, uh, just like more uh, like rambly stuff on mm. some of the stuff that we talk about. I'm sure out of the 30 minutes so far, oh my God, that's going to be like... <laughs> If you if you're listening to this and you look at your timer and it says oh it's only at 19 <laughs> minutes that's where those 11 minutes went is to gold. our Patreon They're yeah gold, Jerry. but in addition to that we've also got uh, movie reviews like every other week we did our full Halloween month you know the whole thing we've been <laughs> talking about it every month you know about Patreon go subscribe to it even if you just like sub for one month check it out if it's not your deal totally fine you're not gonna hurt our feelings. Maybe a little bit. You might, you might hurt our feelings a little bit. But check check it out, even if it's just for a month. Give us give us some money for Christmas. That's that's fine. Mm. And ca- cancel cancel by the end of the year if you if you want. If you don't want to, great. Hang out. If you don't want to give us any money, but you also want to support us, you can give us a five star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you do that, we will send you a no hugging, no learning sticker free of charge while supplies last. I got to get back on that. I haven't sent them out in a little bit. Um, I gotta get some cards printed. I showed you that uh, that new card design that Grace made. I think, right? I don't think so. I'll send it to you. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know what happened to it. I don't have it on my new phone. I'm, sh- she might have to send it to me again. But she made like something like very '90s esque with our logo on it. It was awesome. Ah. But I, I, I'm gonna get those printed up and I'll send out stickers. But at this point, I'll just send out the old stickers and the new stickers to anybody who gives us a review, whether or not they're on the Patreon. But go ahead and do that. Also, I want to give a shout out by name to Tammy Martin, who wrote into us and asked us to read her review. Tammy, I got to apologize. I can't find your review. I, I don't know. I don't know if Apple is hiding it from us. I, I don't know when you wrote in. Uh, originally, I don't know when you wrote your review in. I, I saw both of your emails that you sent us. Um, I, I'll gladly send you a sticker one way or the other. But if you want to like resubmit your review, please feel free to do that. Also, because it'll knock uh, dumbfuck one star off our <laughs> front page. All that being said, Season 9, Episode 17, The Bookstore, original air date, April 9th, 1998, three weeks after our last episode. I was five years, three months, and 20 days old. And Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have six episodes until we become a podcast called Lethal Dose, where we take a medication or just any <laughs> any sort of ingestible and figure out how much of it would take to kill us you know see okay see whenever i heard you say that name i yeah. thought you meant d-o-s lethal dose lethal. and we find artists that share the same name <laughs> on spotify and we find out which one is better uh, ted porque no los dos is what i'll say to that <laughs> uh, i think it's both and now we've got like a full hour you know oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. That that, that might yeah. be our strongest. I know. That might be our strongest fake show that we've that we've come up with. Like two good <laughs> ideas that can use the same title. It's wild. 
Jeez. Uh, uh, okay, if you're looking at TV Guide the Night of April 9th, 1998, you are going to see George takes a book into a store's bathroom, period. Kramer and Newman start a rickshaw service, period. Uncle Leo shoplifts, period. Elaine drunkenly makes out with a co-worker, hmm. period. I feel like we might be able to make it better, but we'll see at the end. We do start with a cold open, and Jerry is leaving Kramer in his apartment while he goes to do a set and the second Jerry walks out the door Kramer immediately jumps up and starts this adventure in the night first he is making a smoothie and he makes a huge mess pouring juice everywhere he cleans (laughs) up with one of the couch pillows he rides Jerry's bike around the apartment so here it is I think this is the Uh, last time this is the second and last time we see the bike (laughs) off of the wall that's right oh my god (laughs) Kramer riding the bike he there's a fire in the bedroom that he's trying to put out with the sink and a hose he moves the couch out of Jerry's apartment he takes apart the phone he picks a street fight with someone down on the street I I love that part because he's just (laughs) yelling out like oh let's see you come up here and say that to my face and then the next thing is they're just pounding on the door so hard that it's shaking the entire wall of the set and if I maybe maybe the 90 maybe 98 was a different time but I couldn't stop thinking that Kramer he has his he's like holding the door with his back closed and I'm like Kramer (laughs) you know bullets go through wood pretty easily right (laughs) like that's what I was like that I couldn't stop (laughs) thinking that it's 98 not everybody had a gun yet yeah that that's probably yeah that's probably the the 2020s (laughs) talking that I was like I would be nowhere near that door while that person's pounding on I, it. I'd be I'd be shoving that couch up against the yes. door and hiding in the bedroom. Yes. Uh, he also rearranges the apartment. So it, like Jerry's desk is over by the kitchen and the couch is over where the desk <laughs> is. And he's got one single chair in the middle. The one single chair is now in the middle of the apartment. This is where I noticed uh, Superman on the table, not the bookcase. Because <laughs> I guess the bookcase had also been moved to. And then he does a little stand up with a blanket <laughs> and a, a wooden spoon and one of Jerry's suits, presumably. And, and his... His only line is like, what's the deal with politics? Yeah, I don't get it. (laughs) And then he smiles as if there's like a huge like applause break happening. Uh, And he hosts a giant tea party cafe kind of thing going on in Jerry's apartment. Uh, And then Jerry comes home. Kramer's knocked out on the couch, passed out like nothing happened. And Jerry is like, I can't believe this and picks up Kramer's drink and puts it on a coaster. None the wiser. Uh Oh my god! Yeah, so pretty good. Like it's been it's been a while since we've had a cold open that had nothing to do with the rest of the episode. So yeah, I, th- this was this was really good. Yeah, and it was just absurd. And and yeah, I liked how standalone jokey it was, and and just all the ideas. I would love to see the the entire idea list of like what can Kramer do in his apartment <laughs> and what can we film. You know, knowing that um knowing that this is like the second of only two. And the last of the entire series of times Jerry's bike was off the wall just makes me think that they were coming up with these ideas as they're filming them. Yeah, you may be. Maybe I mean I wouldn't put it past someone like Michael Richards who has such a great, you know, improvisational style to go, all right, run wild. What would you do in here? And not like, you know, maybe he would come up with the idea of move the furniture. I doubt they filmed him moving the entire apartment around, but <laughs> but yeah, he might have had something to do with that. So we open at Brentano's which is the exact same bookstore we last saw in The Soulmate. It's interesting that Jerry would show up there because, you know, he fell in love with a woman there that then Kramer was obsessed with uh, in season eight, episode two. You remember that? Honestly, no. And Newman had to help Kramer <laughs> woo the 
bookstore clerk with you know he was on one side of the, oh okay the yeah, yeah, yeah 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 with Newman uh, shouting about things you know there's really no such thing as junk mail <laughs> yeah yeah okay. all the mail takes exact same labor to uh, deliver <laughs> yeah so this is the exact same bookstore so if you want to hear our little dive on Brentano's check out season eight episode two the soulmate the episode of no hugging no learning it is still closed <laughs> Brentano's is not around anymore and it is still possibly I don't know what it was last time we talked about it but it is still Club Monaco clothing store on Google uh, Street View. George and Jerry are there and George opens up by saying that th- they say this Brentano's is the place to meet women in New York City. And Jerry's line here is so great. He's like, first it was the health clubs and the supermarket and now it's bookstores. They c- I don't care where they put it. No one's meeting anybody. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> uh, Kramer's there too and he is reading through like a Hong Kong travel guide and he wants to go there before it goes back to China. First of all, it's interesting that we're talking about Kramer going to Hong Kong right after our Bloodsport episode, which takes place in Hong Kong, which is available on Patreon now. And Jerry says, so he's like, oh, oh, I want to go over there before it goes back to China, which is interesting. Like you figure if Kramer was really interested in pagodas and all that stuff, that he'd be more excited. But Jerry goes, "Um, well, you better hurry. And it's because Hong Kong was transferred from British rule back to Chinese rule on July 1st, my birthday. 1997. <laughs> uh, so just a year before, it, you know, he's a year late and he just hasn't paid attention. So a very time sensitive joke. Like I didn't, uh, you <laughs> no, know, it really, loses, it, yeah, it really loses a lot of its uh, uh, luster. Yeah. 20, I mean, it, 23 years later. It makes more sense now. It just makes Kramer look like more of an out of touch idiot. If it's been, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like 20 yeah. plus years since it's been in Chinese control. <laughs> But he also sees the rickshaws. He's like, oh, they have rickshaws. You know, that's what New York City needs. And I like Jerry's line. Yeah, more slow-moving wicker. What does he say? Does he say slow-moving wicker vehicles? Yeah, something like that, yeah. George, meanwhile, says he's going to go to the bathroom. And he takes this giant Impressionism (laughs) book into the bathroom. And Kramer uh, remembers that he's got to talk to Elaine because she's been to Hong Kong. And Jerry says she's at that uh, big Peterman party. Remember the one that she danced at last time? Uh, and then Jerry sees Uncle Leo. Th- this was funny, too, because Kramer goes, Leo? Who's Leo? He's like, you know, Uncle Leo. He's like, oh, right, Uncle Leo. I forgot his first name. <laughs> and as they're looking at Uncle Leo, he steals a book and shops And I, I, I loved Kramer's outline here to Jerry because it, it's just so meta. But Kramer just goes... Oh, that ought to keep you pretty busy for the next couple of days, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like, here's your plot line. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even pick up on the meta-ness of it. <laughs> next, we're at the Puck Building, which is the exact same building as the first party, The Little Kicks, Season 8, Episode 4. I thought two references to previous episodes, just via location, was kind of weird. But there are like at least two or three more refer- like references to previous episodes in this episode. I found it really weird. It was like verging on clip show almost, like greatest hits kind of, mm. hey, everyone wants to see this stuff again. You know, It was, it was I mean, really weird. I mean, we're getting into the latter half of Season 9. Yeah. I, I could... I could see them doing more like that. Yeah, just just more winks and nods. And just, I, I guess, not meta because it doesn't reference the show being a television show, but meta in the fact that it is referencing itself. So the, the puck building is exactly the same place Jay Peterman had the party in earlier in season eight. And everyone wants to know if Elaine is going to dance. <laughs> the, <laughs> the guy, uh, one of the one of her coworkers comes up and and he's like, are you going to dance? Like, maybe all over your face. And, uh, and then... 
one of the um, staff says, if you are going to dance, the cooks want to know because they didn't get to see it last year. So they want to oh come out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and Jay Peterman gives a, a toast. And uh, is that the language that anybody in New Guinea speaks? I guess. Yeah. It is. I, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> something was. I mean, he, he would be a guy who might know that language and might have said something, but or was uh, it just like Jay Peterman doing this yeah. as a New Guinea dialect yeah. and language? Uh, reeks of Peggy Hill Spanish. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't offensive, was it? Peggy Hill Spanish? Yeah, and not patently offensive, but it's uh, offensively bad. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And because uh, she she genuinely believes the character, she <laughs> yeah. genuinely believes she is speaking fluent Spanish. Right, right. <laughs> but th- there's there's a whole episode of King of the Hill about Peggy accidentally abducting a young Mexican girl because she accidentally like keeps her on the bus after their field trip to Mexico. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so I, I didn't know why people might have been laughing at this. Like, I don't think it's because he was making fun of the language and the language is funny. I think it's funny that maybe it is because it's a funny sounding language. I don't know. I don't know if this, I don't yeah, know if, how to read if, this. If that's the joke, if that's the whole crux of the joke, then yeah, it's wrong. Uh, yeah. Because because then it's just like, haha, they talk funny. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> there's there's no joke in that, you know? Yeah, a guy who doesn't talk like that is talking like that and and it's kind of out of the blue nobody obviously nobody knows what he's saying but i think a guy like jay peterman would i i feel like the character is coming from a place of respect you know i don't think jay peterman's going uh now as the italians say beepity boppity a bobbity boo you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 i i, I get what you mean the, the character the character is trying to do them justice yes yes Okay, and so, but but everyone laughing might be laughing for the wrong reason. But I yes, don't think they wrote I, it. I, think, I don't. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they wrote it because they knew that reason. But I'm gonna I'm gonna feel comfortable saying that, <laughs> like you just said, Jay Peterman is is trying to show due respect to the these, these people of New Guinea, who maybe speak like this, maybe don't. <laughs> That's the other thing. That's the thing that would take this too problematic. Probably is if nobody speaks that kind of. language there you know what i mean it's just a joke country here's one of those joke languages from a joke country (laughs) yeah i I mean i i kind of get the feeling that in this same vein people from literally anywhere else in the world can say like oh look i'm from america mcdonald's coca-cola burger king chevrolet guns 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 like that um like the um like the postman did to jerry when he's like oh i'm chinese so what'd you do Oh, I just hit my knee on the desk. Ooh, oh, man. Ah, did that pick up on my mic? <laughs> I, I heard something, yeah. Oh, it yeah, sounded more like a, a slap or a smack, but... Oh. Um, okay, sorry, you were saying? <laughs> well, I was just, you know, like like the um, the postman did, where he's like, oh, I'm Asian, so I must know where all the Chinese restaurants are. He's like, no, I didn't know. <laughs> and he's like, well, you're American, and he says something like that to Jerry, um, <laughs> kind of back at him. I am going to write down just... just to, we may not even talk about it, but just click languages, and if there are any spoken in New Guinea and, and stuff like that, just yeah, just because even um, even if you look up like most used language in New Guinea, interestingly enough, uh, they matched it up really well. But I swear this was ADR, like someone come, came along and did this mm. afterwards to. So I'm like, maybe it is actually saying something. I, I would be interested to find that out too, because otherwise they are just doing beepity boppity. 
you know yeah like if they're really just making the clicks and and noises and it, and it's not actual words then then they're no better than bbd bobbity <laughs> and i'm so glad i have that now that like you know i don't think you can get canceled for making fun of italians like that so because i bet you were worried <laughs> give, when give it, it was... give it 20 years give it 20 years <laughs> yeah. i bet you were worried when i was gearing up for that similarity you're like oh no what accent is he gonna do <laughs> You know, like Apu, for instance, Ted. Let me just know. <laughs> um, where, where the hell are we? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Jay Peterman st- does this toast, starts on the dance floor, and then uh, some guy named Zach comes over and introduces himself to Elaine, and they presumably are about to hit it off. Yeah, I, I liked. Uh, I like the line. Like he just goes, "Hi, I'm Zach." Elaine goes, "Hi, I'm miserable." Because <laughs> she can't get up and dance like she wants to. Ugh. I like also that they appear to be serving. Uh, cut up Walmart quality taquitos at this party. Did you notice what the waitress <laughs> yeah. was carrying around? It was like, holy shit, I eat that like twice a week. <laughs> and that's what Jay Peterman's serving. <laughs> like they look like Jose Olay taquitos, just cut it and cut in <laughs> half. You don't even get a full one. Back at Brantano's, George uh, is, comes out of the bathroom and he is stopped from returning his book to the shelf by an employee. And you can see even a big sign in this scene. That says bathroom, not book room. I saw that. That yeah. was good. And the guy, I, I loved also this situation because normally George can think on his feet, no problem. But the guy's like, "Are you, you know, putting putting that back on the shelf? Was that book in the bathroom?" And George goes, "What do you want to hear? <laughs> What's the answer you want to hear?" Yeah. So at Monks, we find out that they made George buy the book for a hundred dollars, and George is just uh, super upset about that because without bathrooms, there wouldn't be any books. And Jerry does the first of two i think subpar jokes in this episode or just in this scene because he said yeah i heard gutenberg spent a fair amount of time in there and then he like takes a (sighs) congratulatory smug sip of his coffee i'm like jerry that joke sucked it really was (laughs) not funny george thinks uh, so jerry tells george his situation that he saw leo stealing and george thinks that leo is sticking it to the man (laughs) by shoplifting Elaine comes in. She looks so disheveled, and she didn't dance. She did something even worse. She made out with Zach right at the table, as she says, like our plane was going down. <laughs> she's worried because someone in her position can't be doing that, and she's an associate, as she tells Jerry. And this, I like this little exchange because she's like, "I'm an associate," and George goes, "Hey, me too." And the waitress goes, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> <laughs> but Elaine is going to be the office skank. She doesn't want to be known as the office skank. Uh, unless, as George tells her, just say that they're dating. You're not the office skank. It was just a beautiful moment between two people who are in love. As, as And then here comes Jerry's second horrible joke of this scene, as opposed to skanko Roman wrestling. <sighs> yeah. I was like, both of those were like phoning it in. You know, I heard a Gutenberg spent a lot of time in there. He did. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then skanko Roman, Roman wrestling. Like, Greco and skanko, that's like such a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> but George likes it. He gives him a thumbs up, but Elaine gives him a sarcastic, oh, bravo, which I'm glad they <laughs> included because that made it funnier where they're like, you know, that that's what friends would do to you when you made such a shitty joke like Skanko Roman Wrestling. So I'm glad they included that little tag, but I was like, puh, P-U. Up in Jerry's apartment, Newman and Kramer are going to make this rickshaw idea happen, and Jerry is terrified of this prospect. Uh, and then he asks them who's going to pull it. And Kramer and Newman both assume the other one was going to. But then Kramer says, what about the homeless? And did you pick up that like, the audience actually groaned after he said that? Oh, my God. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I thought it was like, I definitely, it's not like a total laugh. It's like, oh, 
oh no, he's going there, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but then he says, you know, they're always, well, Newman's like, you know, they do have an intimate knowledge of the streets, and Kramer says they're always walking around, so why not strap something to them? <laughs> Jeez. They're Christ. people, Kramer. <laughs> yeah, first we're insensitive to the great people of Papua New Guinea, and now the, the homeless. Over at Monks, Jerry is meeting with Leo, and Leo, Uncle Leo is more upset that Jerry didn't say hello than he is being caught for shoplifting. Because he's like, why didn't you, you saw me, Brentanos, why didn't you say hello? He's like, I, you were too busy <laughs> shoplifting. He was like, you still say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love how hello is the most important thing to Uncle Leo, especially one from Jerry. But he says that, you know, all old people steal. All senior citizens do it because you can just act confused if you get caught. But, he, you know, Jerry, you know, still lays into him. So he's like, all right, you know, he, I guess he kind of agrees to stop doing it. Uh, over at Jay Peterman, Elaine is finishes telling a co-worker that she and Zach are dating. And uh, I think she's like, what did you think? I was the office skank. And the guy's like, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at that point that she opens the break room door and they both walk in oh, on Zach God. making I, out in the break room. I loved Elaine's reaction because it wasn't like a, oh, man. It was a, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like you, right? It it was ew, but also like, uh, great. There goes my entire plan right the, right there. Yeah, but then why does she still act confused? I think more she was just caught up in like, oh, gross. Someone's making out in the break room. Oh, and you the think guy's so? like, well, yeah, because then okay. the guy's like, wasn't that Zach? And Elaine goes, yeah, and he's like, aren't you upset? And then she's like, yeah. <laughs> <She> has, like, <laughs> But maybe I, it was a little. May, I, I can see your side too. I can see your side too, where she's like, "Oh well, there goes that." But she forgot. They're, they're, yeah, and she just like didn't think of like, "Oh well, clearly they they are still buying into the plan." <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like it, I I know that my plan just went up in smoke. I didn't expect everyone to still buy into it. Yeah, this guy to still buy into it. Yeah, I I can see that side too. Yeah, that makes that makes more sense actually <laughs> than Elaine just like forgetting her lie from a second earlier out on the street newman and kramer have three homeless guys including <laughs> a nearly unrecognizable uncle rico from napoleon no dynamite way. yes really yeah john grease i'm gonna say it's the same character from the episode he was in the beard he was in the beard as a guy a homeless guy that kramer gives his chinese leftovers to and then he can't get the tupperware back from the guy and here's so that's a reference. That's the third reference to a previous episode. This character, and then he says his name is Rusty. And Kramer says, "I knew a horse named Rusty." No offense. Rusty was the horse from The Rye, season seven, episode eleven, where Kramer has the handsome cab for the weekend or whatever, and he takes the Rosses out so George can sneak the marble rye back into the house. God. And that was the horse. So that's like four references already to previous episodes. That's so rare. But uh, John Grease character, Rusty, is the first one to... So one of the homeless guys just kind of wanders off. The other one is insane in some way. He's got something, some mental issue. And so Rusty is the first one up, and he just steals the rickshaw. And as Kramer says, well, he's out. <laughs> Back over at Brentano's, George is, as he said earlier, his plan is to just return the book when different people are working. But uh, as the woman beeps it, uh, the UPC symbol, it has been flagged. Uh, it's been in the bathroom, and they will not take it back. I, and I loved George, like, kind of <laughs> leaning over the counter, just saying, 
it says that on the computer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she won't even touch it. Like, she pushes it with a ruler. <laughs> and she's like, we don't want it near the other books. And I love George's line here. Well, you just lost a lot of business because I love to read. <laughs> and by the way, that reminded me of maybe my favorite thing on the internet now. That guy who does the IKEA customer service videos. Have you seen him? The one he's got like no. a mustache and well, one of the it's stuff that people love to say when they're mad at retail people. One of them is, <laughs> well, you just lost a customer. And he's like, good. You think I care? You think I own this place? You think I own <laughs> Ikea? <laughs> it's so funny. Like Judd Apatow literally just retweeted this guy. I'll have to send you his stuff too because it's he's like a stand-up comic that started doing is he, these things. Is he a TikTok guy or a Twitter guy? They look like TikTok, but he puts them on Twitter and that's where I okay. think they've gotten the most notice. I think like even like Patton Oswald has, has tweeted him and stuff. Like they're just so funny. Like watching him be the next like Twitter comedian that gets on SNL. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I don't know if it was like a customer service trend or whatever, but they'll, you know, he'll be the customer. Like, can you check the back? And then all of a sudden, this like <laughs> intense music will start playing. He's like, "What do you think is back there? It's not Santa's workshop." It's, like, <laughs> it's just so funny his responses to to dumb customers. So it reminded me when George said, "You just lost a lot of business." It reminded me when people got pissed at me when I worked at Bush Gardens. Like, <laughs> like, oh well, you know, I'm we're mad. I'm like, dude. I'm in high you think school. I care? Yeah. I'm getting seven dollars. It's ninety-eight degrees outside. Like, I do not care. You think I'm Anheuser Busch? You think my name is <laughs> Anheuser Busch? <laughs> Jerry then sees Leo stealing again, and he asks a security guard to, you know, just give him a little scare. But the guard, <laughs> like all Paul Blarts might do, takes it way too seriously and calls like five other guys to swarm, swarm, swarm. <laughs> Call, calls in uh we got a fifty-one fifty in paperbacks. <laughs> yeah, which I I think is is that the code for murder? I thought fifty-one fifty was um psychiatric when you get uh you know a psychiatric hold. Is that what it is? I thought um, it was. Yeah, slang term referring to the California law code for the temporary involuntary psychiatric commitment of individuals who present a danger to themselves or others due to signs of mental illness. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was weird they picked that. <laughs> what? Why that code? Was it random? Or, yeah. <laughs> Here's another weird thing. How can this security guard, like, no uniform? He's got a name tag and a blazer, but he tells Leo that he's under arrest. Because Leo tries to, like, I'm old, I'm confused, I thought I paid for it. And he's like, you're under arrest. I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> you can take him to the, you know, the back hallway and wait for the real cops to show up. Yeah. But Jerry go, you know, he, he realizes, because Jerry runs up, he's like, I just wanted you to scare him. And he's like, Jerry, you ratted me out. And he's like, no, Uncle Leo. He's like, hello? And Uncle Leo goes, hello. <laughs> hey, you. Do you want more No Hugging, No Learning? Subscribe to our Patreon today for our full archive of exclusive bullshit movie reviews and content that gets cut from our weekly episodes for various reasons. Join the It's a Hyundai tier for just five bucks a month and get access to everything. Click the link in the description or just go to patreon.com slash no hugging and sign up today. I wonder if I can do this like a monster truck show announcer. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Up in Jerry's apartment, Jerry is on the phone explaining to his parents what happened, and they're worried that Leo's going to go to prison because he has priors. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crime of passion. Don't worry about it, his mom what? says. Yeah, and it's not 
explained what his crime was, and I'm really worried now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if we ever find out. I certainly couldn't tell you what it is right now, <laughs> and I'm upset that we never find out if, if that's the case. You know, Jerry's parents say that, you know, oh... You know, everyone steals a little bit. It, it, it's not stealing if you need it, as his dad says. <laughs> and he finds out that his parents steal batteries. His dad steals batteries because they wear out so much. And sometimes he forgets, so his mom has to steal them. <laughs> I loved how nonchalantly they were talking about this. Like, sometimes your father forgets and I have to steal the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Newman and Kramer come in and they're off to find the rickshaw. Over at Monk's, Elaine can now, as she explains, now that it's it's almost working out better because now she can stand up for herself and break up with Zach and tell everyone she's dumping his ass, as she says, and she'll be the office <laughs> Tina Turner, as Jerry throws in. George comes in, and the book, he's been to every Brentano's in the city, and the book is flagged everywhere. Jerry's line here was great. Is it so bad to have to keep a book? <laughs> <laughs> I understand about a $100 book, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, with how cheap George is, it, it, 100 bucks is a lot of money. Yeah. Uncle Leo is at Monk's, but he's betrayed by Jerry, and he won't even give him a hello. He gives, he just says, Jerry, when uh, Jerry <laughs> says hello. And Jerry follows him out. In the meantime, Elaine loves the French Impressionism book, and George says he could sell it for $125. <laughs> we know it's a $100 book. And also, don't most books have yeah, what they cost they... on them, you know? Uh, unless Brentano's was selling it like, uh, like at a discount or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was, yeah. It was marked up to be marked back down, and, and it does say 125 on there or something like that. Or maybe even more. Because yeah, maybe like 140 later, or something yeah. or 150. Or maybe 200, mm, like he'll, true, like he'll say later, not to get too far ahead. But um, And Elaine is really thinking about it, but Jerry comes in and he gives up the game talking about not wanting to be anywhere near that book. Why is it on the table? And it's <laughs> this point that I like – so I got I actually got to watch this episode twice. At first I was like, is it really so bad? And then I thought, like, you know, like, was it really, like, smeared with fecal matter or anything like that? Like, it's probably still pretty clean. But then what I landed on was George was definitely resting it on his naked crotch while he was yeah. reading it. And that's yeah. where I think the, the offense might have occurred. Because just taking a book into the bathroom. But this book is, like, 50 pounds. So it definitely was resting. And maybe if, and if he flushed while it was on his lap, well, then, yeah, completely flag it. I'm, I'm in that camp. It's pretty dirty. Over to Jay Peterman, he comes in, Jay Peterman himself comes into Elaine's office, and Elaine's like, yeah, don't worry, I know, I heard all about his break room adventure, and she's like, and and Jay Peterman's fine with that, he's like, who among us hasn't snuck into the break room for a little love Newton? <laughs> <laughs> what the real problem is, is that Zach is back on heroin. It's interesting, as he was talking about all of this, I saw that Elaine appears to have poppies behind like in the back in that back corner the J that are right behind Jay Peterman who was talking about heroin uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting design choice <laughs> I don't know if they're always there or not but Jay Peterman did he was like I guess it was my fault for sending him to Thailand in search of low-cost whistles and and uh seducing him with pseudo-erotic tales of of his own heroin use and he's like plus I gave him a list of numbers to, to score near the <laughs> hotel <laughs> But Elaine, she was like, don't worry, I was going to break up with him. And he's like, no, you're going to be by his side. He's going cold turkey. And if you don't, no more associate. You're not, I'll strip you of your associate title. Up in Jerry's apartment, he has a nightmare about Uncle Leo being in prison and vowing revenge on him. His, his, he's even got knuckle tattoos. One says Jerry and the other says hello. Oh my God, I loved <laughs> I, I loved this nightmare scene. Because he's doing, uh, doing pull-ups and he's like, 
Jerry. <laughs> Hello. But he's got he's got long hair too. Yeah. And a Brentano's tattoo with a dagger instead of a T. If that's not on a Seinfeld flash sheet somewhere, there's oh, something wrong with the world. Man, it should be. Yeah. It should be. That's such a good like obscure Seinfeld tattoo. Yeah. You can even get it right on your back just like Uncle Leo. And I love <laughs> I love the ripped back that they give him too. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, and Jerry is woken up by his phone. It's Elaine calling him from Zach's. Uh, Zach is going through severe heroin withdrawal and just puking everywhere. K- uh, Kramer, meanwhile, sidles in after he's off the phone uh, and wakes Jerry up with, hey, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and Newman rushes in, and there was a rickshaw spotted in Battery Park. It's probably their rickshaw. Before they leave, though, we do get kind of, I'm going to call this another reference to a previous episode because it, it's more of like a running gag, I guess. But Newman says, good night, Jerry. And Jerry says, good night, Newman. <laughs> so just kind of a play on that whole runner. Down in presumably Battery park newman and kramer retrieve the rickshaw from rusty and as they both are carrying it newman's like well you know one of us should ride in it seems like a waste and kramer does another wacky choosing rhyme like inka dinka earlier if you remember that one that we talked about yeah this one was i I didn't write it down but it's even more intense than inka dinka i think i think uh and he he loses and then i didn't catch this until the second time around how funny this is because he starts with newman and goes tip tear ta to do whatever it is and then the second time, he's like, two out of three. And he starts with Newman again. Like, of course, it's going to be the same outcome. <laughs> I, I, I did not catch that the first time around. It took me two t- It took me watching it <laughs> twice to catch that, like, because Newman, like, sort of goes, <sighs> he, like, rolls his eyes. Like, he knows what's going to happen. So down at Housing Works Thrift Shop, which is a real place. I could not believe this. But there are 11 huh. locations of Housing Works Thrift Shop in New York City still to this day. It is a healing community of people living with and affected by HIV and AIDS. They do advocacy. They have services like healthcare and and pharmacies and stuff like that. And they have thrift stores and bookstores like this one that is still there at 306 Columbus Avenue. It is still a housing works thrift shop. It was Hmm. in 98 and it is now. I just found that just super surprising. The French connection next door to it. I think you can kind of see that in this shot. It is now a Jonathan Adler furniture store. So, French Connection, gone. Housing Works Thrift Shop, still there. Damn. Yeah. And George is there to donate the book for a write-off. And this is where he says, uh, you know, like, probably worth 200 bucks. So, maybe it was marked down from 200 to 100 That seems good. Like, a, a 50% yeah. off. Yeah, half-off sale yeah. of Brentano's. Yeah. yeah. And he's selling it, or trying to get to buy it, Rebecca de Mornay from Season 8, Episode 21, The Muffin Tops. Oh, man. She's the person... I I knew she had been in a recent episode, but I didn't know which one. Okay. She's the one that works at at the homeless shelter where they drop the muffin stumps off at, and they they don't want the muffins. They don't want the stumps. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) uh, did you count this as another reference to an older episode? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you definitely got to count that. Uh, I don't know what we're up to now, four or five, depending on if you want to count Goodnight Jerry or Goodnight Newman. I think that's where I screwed up the count. But this may be at least number... Yeah, again, four or five. I don't know. <laughs> and she catches that the book has been flagged because she used to work at a Brentano's. <laughs> but George, there are 10 other Housing Works thrift shop locations in New York City. I think you can just 
you know, head to one of those other ones and maybe try it. And she's like, it's bad enough. She's like, we don't want your bathroom books. We're trying to help the homeless here. It's bad enough we have someone out there trying to strap him to a rickshaw. <laughs> I, I I loved this line because up to now, the George storyline and the Kramer storyline had nothing to do with each other. <laughs> yeah. It's they just they a- could have happened on totally different episodes from each other, you know? Yeah, it's but just a small this, little this crossover. W- yeah, this one little line, and I think this is it. This is the only part of crossover they have. Just yeah. ties them together just a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Uh, and then Rebecca Dorm- De Mornay pretty much intimidates George into leaving the <laughs> bookstore or the thrift store. Back at Brentano's, Elaine is buying a book that she hopes will help her get puke out of cashmere. And <laughs> Elaine is saying that now that he has is off the heroin, she can break up with him as the office hero. And she even got an idea out of it, the detox poncho. And Jerry is staying at Brentano's as she leaves because he wants to speak to the manager. In my mind at this point, I came up with, hmm, Jerry's acting a little Karen-ish. <laughs> oh my God, Jaren. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't say, I'd like to speak with the manager, even though he said it as nice as possible. Like, he didn't say yeah. it in a, in a Karen way, but it just, you can't say that without you, someone going, you Karen. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, Karen. All right, Karen, fine. <laughs> Next, we see Kramer pulling Newman uphill. He stops and needs a break. <laughs> and Newman starts rolling downhill, and Zach is emerging from his detox, uh, saying this is the first day of the rest of my life. You know, the, the thing everyone says whenever they walk out of a building and look up at the sky, right? Yeah, after after getting off a of heroin anyway. Yeah, well, this is the first day of the rest of my life. And, and, then, yeah. and uh, yeah, Newman immediately, like, runs him over and Kramer runs away. Um, I've got a question for you All right. for this scene. Where the fuck is this supposed to be? There's no way this is in New York. I know, that hill in New York, yeah. <laughs> I thought the like, same there, thing. There are no hills in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty flat. It, it's, um, it's it's the flattest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and this is like like San Francisco. It was probably L.A. because you know that's where they actually film Seinfeld. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it, it was San Francisco level of hill. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It it shouldn't have been a problem. Like it wasn't quite like. Uh, police chase and the car goes airborne yes. level of hill, but like it was, it was a just enough to be like this isn't New York. <laughs> yeah, especially in, like it looks like they're in the financial district or something. Like where are they? <laughs> this giant hill. So back at Brentano's, George, and interestingly enough, this is where Kramer and Elaine's storyline again have a little, uh, you know, a little touch in orbit. Uh, Over at Brentano's, George shows up, and his plan now is to steal another book and return that one so that they're (laughs) even. And Jerry tries to do the math on that and fails. Uh, And as as the manager comes over, he says that, well, first of all, they stopped carrying batteries because so many senior citizens were stealing them. Uh, as Jerry, he's like, come on, senior, they, they all steal. He's like, yeah, that's why we had to stop stocking batteries. But he's like, look, my boss says I had to make an example out of somebody. And Jerry's like, could it be anybody? And the guy's like, I suppose. So Jerry immediately rats out that George is stealing a book and yells, swarm, swarm, swarm. <laughs> and that is the complete end of the episode. There is no the, epilogue. Yeah, this was very weird because Jerry yells swarm. The the Paul Blarts grab George. Yeah. And we get a freeze frame, but the audio keeps going for like a second of George saying, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah. But and like then the th- music fades up. <laughs> yeah. That, that second Jerry is like totally on a freeze frame. Yeah. Yes. It's it's just frozen. And then we get 
like two minutes of Jonathan Wolf theme music. <laughs> so it's it's so weird how light this episode was because the cold open had nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It was it was they stretched it out too with all of all of Kramer's adventures, and mm-hmm. then there's no scene over the credits. There's no end credits scene. Yeah, it's uh, it's just pretty wild that they were still writing like that in season nine, and they didn't have like a ton of ideas they wanted to cram in. But <laughs> I think they were just like over it. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you know, yeah. maybe they weren't interested in in trimming the fat like well we got it now we got to delete a storyline or whatever but i did watch the credits to make sure that there wasn't like an audio stinger or anything like that like maybe another jerry uh and i noticed in a really odd credit this right here sloppy joe as hobo joe (laughs) i know what sloppy joe as hobo joe now which one do you think was hobo joe the one that ran away the one that kind of it wasn't not the one that stole the rickshaw. No, no, no. The, the, no, away. like the, yeah. the third one who like sauntered yeah, away yeah. right at right at the beginning of right the auditions. The I'm see. I was gonna go with the one who stuck around that was um you know yelling stuff like potato salad or whatever. I think that was Sloppy Joe, but I have no idea why he was credited like that. Sloppy Joe as Hobo Joe. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe we'll find out next week, but or it may just be the mystery of Sloppy Joe. Uh, but that's it. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. What do we got for homework this week? We wouldn't even really have anything if I hadn't written down click languages of New Guinea. Okay. <laughs> or potentially yeah. of New Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and maybe <laughs> Sloppy Joe. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Man. I mean, the, the Kramer pulling the rickshaws, pretty good with Newman in it. I, there, if there's a shot of them, um, what else? What, what are you thinking? I, I don't know if I'd be able to get a photo of it or a capture of it before the credits start rolling, but right whenever Jerry yells swarm and everyone, all the guards grab yeah. George, which Yeah, that's great. pretty good. Yeah, and he's pointing at him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. There was one scene that I forgot to bring up. Oh, one of the scenes where uh, we're in Monks where Jerry was interrogating Leo about stealing it. And Leo is like saying like how he can't hear anything. And he's talking about like answering the phone. Yeah. He yelled out, will somebody answer that damn phone at the end of the scene? Uh, Ruthie Cohen totally broke. I saw that. She's laughing her ass off at this. I noticed that. I didn't write it down, but yeah, (laughs) I totally, I was like, that's weird. You figure she'd be able to hold it together. All the funny stuff that's happened in that, in that place. (laughs) Yeah. Don't know why I'm just thinking of that now. I (laughs) mean, it's like. In the middle of our episode. I'm glad glad you did, because I totally, I noticed it too. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll see if I can make the the rickshaw thing work for cover art. But let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had, George takes a book into a store's bathroom, Kramer and Newman start a rickshaw service, Uncle Leo shoplifts, Elaine drunkenly makes out with a co-worker. Hmm. So at the beginning, I was thinking, can we marry Jerry's story and George's story, since they both revolve around the bookstore? (sighs) Like Jerry and George... I mean, Jerry's not even mentioned in it. Yeah, you're right. It's Uncle Leo's shoplifts a book or something. Yeah. Um, God, there's got to be some way, because like George... Do you think people are tuning into episodes for Uncle Leo? <laughs> That's a good question. Because if not, then drop Uncle Leo. But <laughs> if there's people out there who are going to be like, oh, hell yeah, it's an Uncle Leo episode, yeah. <laughs> then then we got to make sure he's in there somewhere. I think there might be. I think that's why he's lasted for nine seasons. So maybe that is the way to go, Uncle Leo. Yeah, because maybe Jerry doesn't need to enter into the situation. George. Kramer I mean, people people show. know Jerry's in the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, and what's Elaine's again? Elaine drunkenly makes out with a coworker. Oh, man, I guess I don't. I guess I don't hate any of this. <laughs> I feel like we could make it shorter, but I just I can't think of how. Where are you landing? I don't know. I don't really like it. 
Yeah. But I also don't know how to improve it. Yeah. I mean, with George's, there's got to be a way to maybe even shorten it up. Like, George, George is stuck with a book. You know, something like, George is forced to buy a book or something like that. Because George, like, George takes a book into a store's bathroom. That's not really exciting. So maybe we can get back to the revenge aspect of it where, you know, George tries to return a book he was forced to buy or something like that. But maybe shorten it up even more. A bookstore forces George to buy a book. George can't return a book. What about, what if we take it to the total opposite direction? Um, something about it being soiled. George soils a book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate that. It's so short. George soils a book. <laughs> George soils a book. And it's and a keep, good piece. Keep everything else the same. Yeah. <laughs> George soils a book. But wait, I feel like we could tie Uncle Leo into that. Like, you know, that's what, so George, George Uncle soils Leo. a book while Uncle Leo shoplifts. Yeah. I feel like, George, like, what about George and Uncle Leo break bookstore policies? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, I like George soils a book too much to lose it, so. <laughs> I, yeah, let, let's keep that. Let's keep that. Did you want to marry Uncle Leo into his, or you just want to keep Uncle Leo separate? We can keep Uncle Leo separate. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all right. Uh, what did you think of this episode? You know, I I liked it. I got a lot of good laughs out of it, but I I couldn't give it a star. I mean, and it's only like talking about it that I realized realized how lean it actually was. Like there was a lot of good jokes in it, but it wasn't a very strong episode. I don't think. Yeah, this is um first episode in probably like six weeks that I think we're on the exact same page with uh with what we felt about the episode. I enjoyed it. I laughed at it, thought it was funny, but there's so many better episodes than this, even in season nine. Yeah, and and just like my problem with last week's episode, it, it seems like, again, the four stories are so separate and none of them really get enough focus. Mm-hmm. They, they just sort of scratch the surface on all of them again. And, and maybe it's because they're all so separate. Maybe, you know, in other episodes characters are teaming up for one storyline and so they're able to to delve into it a little more but this one they just try you know they, they try to do too much and and yeah i mean just the fact that like i said with the cold open and the credits you know they, they didn't need anything in this episode they didn't need more time i mean they did but they didn't use it <laughs> yeah <laughs> they had time to spare <laughs> all right well next week we've got season nine episode 18 the frogger Original air date, April 23rd, 1998, two weeks after this episode. And, Tim, if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see George wants to preserve his high score on Frogger. Elaine eats a vintage cake. Jerry's fear of a killer presents him from ending a relationship. Hmm. All right. We might get back on track. I like all of those, at least from, from my memory of them. Do you, I mean, this is a a pretty famous episode. Do you have any frame of reference for it? The only thing I know about it is George and the Frogger cabinet trying to cross the street. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I know about it. That, and I think it's the last thing on that Seinfeld flash sheet we were talking about a while ago. I forget what the artist was on that flash sheet. I I still have it open in Google, so I will give the shout out. KWT Designs, kwtdesigns.com. She made a Seinfeld flash sheet. Uh, Check it out. If I remember, I'll drop the link in the description because I I know I didn't do it last time. But I think that's the final illustration on her flash sheet Mm -hmm. that we haven't gotten to yet. Ah, okay. I mean, the, the only other thing that I don't recognize is... It's a street sign that says First Street and another one that says First Street. Uh, yes, have we gotten we have, to that yet? No, we have not. Okay, so that'll be the last one then. Yeah. But other than that, there's a, there's the eight ball jacket. 
There's <laughs> little Jerry. There's the puffy shirt. There's uh, the clown, Pagliacci. Pagliacci. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, the, the number one dad shirt. Uh, <laughs> George's doll that looks like his mother. Kramer's pimp coat. Wow. Uh, the marble ride, the black and white cookie, the Frogger cabinet. Yeah. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think uh, the Frogger cabinet is the next to last, and First Street and First Street will be the last. There you go. All of the refs. Yeah. I was going to say it'd be wild if you hadn't seen anything about this episode. I mean, it's just such a <laughs> such a big one. So we will see if it holds up. Uh, is that it? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.